Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking news tonight, making their case. The Democrats prosecuting the president open the Senate trial in dramatic fashion. If this conduct is not impeachable, then nothing is. Accusing him of abusing his office in an effort to make sure he could keep it. President Trump withheld hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid to secure foreign help with his re-election, in other words, to cheat. Tonight, the three key dates House managers now say prove the president's guilt. Deadly plane crash, a flight crashes just as it's taking off, bursting into flames. The breaking news just coming in on the death toll. Prime suspect? Explosive allegations tonight that Saudi Arabia's crown prince hacked into Jeff Bezos' iPhone. Was the head of Amazon targeted in an attempt to silence him and expose his affair? Quarantined, an entire city shut down as that mysterious virus from China spreads. The death toll now rising. Why the World Health Organization may soon call it an international emergency. Deadly plot disrupted. Was a neo-Nazi group planning for a civil war? The new allegations they wanted to poison the water supply and derail trains. How investigators say they infiltrated the group. Consumer alert. The phony text message you may have gotten that says it's from FedEx. What the company says you should not do tonight. And the story that's no bull. How a 2,000-pound animal has seniors riding high. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. The Democrats prosecuting the president say it comes down to this. President Trump tried to use the powers of his office to cheat an election. In a series of dramatic presentations stretching into the night, House managers laid out their case to remove Mr. Trump from office, at times using his own words against him. Today was the first of what will be three eight-hour-long presentations by the Democrats before the president's lawyers are even allowed to speak. Democrats are focusing on what they call a crucial three-day span last July, painting a picture of a president who was intent on leveraging military aid to try to get Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden, saying if his conduct isn't impeachable, then nothing is. Well, we've got team coverage on this historic day from both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. Ben Tracy's at the White House, but we're going to begin tonight with Nancy Cordes on Capitol Hill. Nancy? Nora, the impeachment managers are walking the Senate through all the evidence step by step, every phone call, every email, as they lay out why they believe this Senate should be the first in U.S. history to remove a U.S. president from office. President Trump has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with self-governance. Lead impeachment manager Adam Schiff launched his opening arguments by homing in on a three-day period from last summer. That alone is grounds for removal from office of the 45th president. It started, he said, on July 24th, the day special counsel Robert Mueller testified about his two-year investigation into Russian election interference. Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. One day later, President Trump asked the Ukrainian president to do him a favor and investigate his campaign rival, Joe Biden. The very next day, he's on the phone, President Trump is on the phone with a different foreign power, this time Ukraine, trying to get Ukraine to interfere in the next election. The next day, President Trump brought it up again in an overheard call with his EU ambassador. President Trump asked Sondland... So he's going to do the investigation? Those three days, Schiff argued, show the president himself was behind the scheme, using millions in military aid as bait. It was not only immoral, it was also illegal. The president's legal team looked on from a table nearby. We will challenge uh, aggressively the case that they're putting forward. In a series of late-night votes, Senate Republicans blocked the minority's attempts to secure new witness testimony. I move to table the amendment, table the amendment, table the amendment. Some Republicans say they're open to witnesses if Biden testifies too. Democrat Chuck Schumer. That trade is, is not on the table. Nancy Cordes joins us now. And Nancy, on this idea of a witness swap idea, I know Democrats are saying this isn't like some fantasy football trade. And I understand Joe Biden himself has weighed in. That's right. He's campaigning in Iowa where he says that he himself is not going to be party to any kind of witness swap because he wasn't involved in this scheme and did nothing wrong. But at the end of the day, Nora, it's up to the senators. If 51 of them vote to hear from Joe Biden or John Bolton or anyone else, then those subpoenas are going to go out. All right, Nancy, thank you. Tonight, President Trump is back in Washington after a quick trip to the World Economic Forum in Switzerland. But even while he was on the world stage, the president was focused on what was happening on the Senate floor. Ben Tracy reports tonight from the White House. We have a great case. Before leaving the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, President Trump said there's somewhere else he'd like to be. Would you please be seated? Front and center at his impeachment trial. I'd love to go. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be beautiful? I don't know. I'd sort of love to sit right in the front row. 
and stare at their corrupt faces. The president gave his own attorneys rave reviews and then unloaded on House managers, Democrats Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler. These two guys, these are major sleazebags. They're very dishonest people. Mr. McConnell. Despite Republican efforts to block witnesses, President Trump claims he'd love to see testimony from current and former members of his administration, including former advisor John Bolton. But Mr. Trump said national security concerns, particularly in Bolton's case, make that unlikely. He knows some of my thoughts. He knows what I think about leaders. Uh, What happens if he reveals what I think about a certain leader and it's not very positive? I don't know if we left on the best of terms. I would say probably not. Back in the U.S., the president's campaign manager, Brad Parscale, told CBS this morning impeachment is helping Mr. Trump's re-election bid. There's millions now that are engaged to show up. And I will tell you, the president has a larger base now significantly since 2016. As for the president actually showing up at his own impeachment trial, Republican Senator John Cornyn says the president should focus on other business. But Republican Senator Rand Paul says he may send a ticket over here to the White House just in case the president wants to use it. Nora. That would be dramatic. Ben, thank you. And there's breaking news tonight from California. Investigators are on the scene of a fiery plane crash. The plane apparently went down just as it was taking off. Chris Van Cleve has the latest. Respond to an aircraft emergency at the Corona Airport. A plane's down. Just after noon local time, the small plane went down just off the runway of the Corona California Municipal Airport. Pilot Dorothy Vall says the plane was trying to take off. He didn't pull back, and he was too fast to end the runway. And then he flipped, and then everybody was running, and it started on fire, and then it had two explosions. Corona Fire says four people on board died. The crash sent plumes of black smoke billowing into the air. Crews could see the smoke as the call for help went out. The smoke was just too intense and the fire, it was just horrible. The National Transportation Safety Board will investigate the crash. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. Tonight, we are learning shocking new details about an alleged Saudi plot aimed at silencing Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon and the owner of The Washington Post. Bezos's phone was hacked, possibly by the Saudi crown prince. Jeff Begay is on a motive and what's in a new forensic investigation commissioned by Bezos. According to the report, Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos and Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman had exchanged messages on WhatsApp before. But the message sent in May of 2018 set in motion a wild chain of events. The U.N. says an MP4 video file sent from a WhatsApp account used by the Crown Prince infected Bezos's phone and caused a massive and unprecedented exfiltration of data. The flow of information out of the Washington Post owner's phone jumped by 29,000 percent. And he would soon get messages from the account signaling that he was being spied on. The Saudis were unhappy with the Washington Post coverage of the kingdom and their columnist, Jamal Khashoggi, a critic of the regime. Five months after Bezos's phone was hacked, Jamal Khashoggi was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, for which the Saudis ultimately took responsibility on 60 Minutes. Did you order the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? Absolutely not. This was a heinous crime. But I take full responsibility as a leader in Saudi Arabia. 
especially since it was committed by individuals working for the Saudi government. One month after the killing, another message from the account of bin Salman included a photo of a woman resembling Lauren Sanchez, whom Bezos was secretly having an affair with. Soon after, the National Enquirer broke the story of Bezos's affair and Bezos blamed the Saudis. Today, the Saudi foreign minister denied his government's involvement in hacking Bezos's phone. I think absurd is exactly the right word. The idea that uh, the crown prince would hack Jeff Bezos's phone is absolutely silly. And Jeff joins us here. What do we know about how someone would gain access to Bezos's phone? So this was spyware, and we're told that Bezos didn't even have to click on it for it to sweep up his information. It can get your passwords, text messages, even have access to your phone. And so now the U.N. is calling for the U.S. to investigate. The FBI, though, is not commenting. And raises questions about how one can protect themselves. Exactly. Thank you, Jeff. All right, tonight, five major American airports are ramping up screenings of passengers coming in from Wuhan, China, a city that is now on lockdown because of the spreading coronavirus. The World Health Organization is having emergency meetings as they decide whether to label this a global emergency. The death toll has spiked to 17. Ramy Innocencio is in China tonight reporting on a city quarantined. Just one day before China's massive Lunar New Year holiday, as hundreds of millions crisscross the country to celebrate with families, an unprecedented act. In just a few hours, the entire city of Wuhan, population 11 million and ground zero for the coronavirus epidemic, will go on lockdown. Every mode of transport out of the city will grind to a halt. Planes, trains, buses, ferries and subways. We are at the Wuhan airport. Our CBS News team left Wuhan just hours before the shocking announcement. In the airport, nearly every single person wore a mask, reminiscent of the SARS crisis of 2003. When we landed in Beijing, airline workers scanned us for fevers. Well, you just saw that. We just got our... Uh... Temperature checks. With similar scenes playing out at airports in and out of the region, even as far as Moscow and Lagos, Nigeria. In Wuhan, behind-the-scenes footage shows extreme measures being taken to contain the virus. But reports of confirmed cases continue to rise, now reaching six countries, including the United States, where a man in his 30s remains in isolation at this hospital north of Seattle. And as more people get sick, the World Health Organization has added an extra day of talks to decide on whether this epidemic constitutes a global emergency. As for here in China, it's already taken decisive and some would say very startling action that begins really in the next few hours. Nora. All right, Ramy, thank you. Today, President Trump appeared to downplay the injuries suffered by U.S. service members in Iran's recent missile attack on a base in Iraq. Eleven Americans had been treated for concussion-like symptoms. Arwisha Zhang asked the president about it today in Switzerland. I heard that they had headaches and a couple of other things, but I would say, uh, and I can report, it is not very serious. Well, today, U.S. Central Command said more American troops were flown out of Iraq to Germany for medical evaluations. An exact number was not released. FedEx is warning customers about a nationwide scam involving text messages. It's disguised as a tracking code for a package that's going to be delivered. And users are asked to enter their delivery preferences and provide their personal and credit card information. Again, this is a scam. Beware. FedEx says it never sends unsolicited texts or emails to customers.
There are chilling new details tonight about three suspected members of a violent neo-Nazi group who were arrested last week ahead of Monday's pro-gun rally in Virginia. Federal prosecutors said today that the suspects were caught on camera talking about killing people, poisoning water supplies, derailing trains, and starting a civil war. Catherine Herridge has more. On Canadian Patrick Matthews' computer, agents found a profanity-laced video he taped, declaring, if you want the white race to survive, derail some effing trains, kill some people, and poison some water supplies. Matthews and two associates were arrested last week in an FBI sweep of members of the neo-Nazi group The Base. They discussed traveling to Monday's gun rights rally in Richmond to start a full-blown civil war. U.S. Attorney Robert Hur said the men were doing more than just talking about violence, having built an assault rifle and purchasing more than 3,000 rounds of ammunition. They packed food and supplies, including a gas mask, intending to load their truck, quote, for the war, end quote, in Virginia. Three other alleged members of the base were arrested last week in northwest Georgia at the group's training camp. Catherine here at CBS News, Washington. Today was a milestone moment for the Me Too movement as the first witness took the stand in the New York trial of Harvey Weinstein. In a surprise move, Weinstein's lawyers revealed they would use the accuser's own words against them. Jerika Duncan was in the courtroom. Disgraced media mogul Harvey Weinstein, recovering from a recent back surgery, stumbled as he entered the courthouse today. Do you think you feel like you'll have a fair trial, Harvey? Of course. At the heart of this case, two allegations that Weinstein raped an aspiring actress in a Manhattan hotel room in 2013 and an allegation he sexually assaulted a different woman in his Manhattan apartment in 2006. Prosecutor Megan Haas didn't mince words telling seven male and five female jurors he, referring to Weinstein, was not just a titan in Hollywood, he was a rapist. Defense attorney Damon Sharonis countered with his own plan of attack, citing the hundreds of emails, texts and notes sent from the alleged rape victim that he says demonstrates a loving relationship. Phone notes that describe Weinstein as a casual boyfriend and emails to Weinstein, one that read, I love you, I always do, but I hate feeling like a booty call. It's signed with a smiley face. Annabella Sciorra is expected to testify tomorrow. Now, the Sopranos actress alleges Weinstein raped her in the 90s, and she did not report it to authorities. Overall, this trial is scheduled to last at least another four weeks. Nora? Jerika, thank you. Breaking news, quick punishment after an ugly brawl at last night's Kansas versus Kansas State basketball game. Both benches emptied late in the game. Players punched and shoved each other. Kansas forward Silvio D'Souza picked up a stool. Well, guess what? Today he was suspended 12 games by the Big 12 Conference. Three other players from both teams received shorter suspensions. We have a saying in Texas, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Well, in this case, seniors love this bull. Here's Omar Villafranca in Pella, Iowa. It takes a special combination of courage and craziness to ride a bucking bull and a total lack of sanity to set one loose in a senior center. Well, that's crazy. Why would you think that? Why would you do that? For rodeo clown Jason Dent, laughs are his livelihood. But it's his sidekick, this one-ton bull named Oli, who steals the show. Hello, everyone. When Oli lumbered into the Wesley Live senior community, 
Not a grandma or grandpa scattered. You got it. Instead, the bold inched closer for the ride of a lifetime. Wilma Hoekstra, who's 96, One, two, three. is old enough to know better, but too young to care. Have you ever been on the back of a bull before? Never, never. Why did you wait 96 years? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's because I got wiser. <laughs> I want to go down. Saddling up can be difficult. You made it. You made it. But the laughs and smiles are contagious. She had a great time. Despite his crooked horns and mean looks, 14-year-old Oli is a gentle giant. We're buddies, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. A big reason senior centers keep inviting him back. I'm trying to celebrate him because I think he's awesome. And I feel like these people are awesome. And fearless enough to take a bull by the horns at any age. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, Pella, Iowa. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the story of a young boy who asked his dad what they could do to help the homeless. You'll be amazed by what they came up with. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell right here in Washington. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.